Hello, welcome back to the Let's Watch Podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn. Hello. And today we're doing our first second round of the 1999 bracket with four movies. And essentially, we're just going to pick one to go through two rounds. Essentially, so second what we're and doing. third round, basically. Yeah. Um, and those four movies are Fight Club and The Virgin Suicides and Boys Don't Cry and The Insider. Mm-hmm. And since we've watched these movies before... We don't really need to talk about like the plot details on either because mm-hmm. it's just repeating ourselves. I will ask you which one you want to start with. Um, let's start with the boys don't cry and the insider because I think that's a bit of an easier um, discussion. Is it? Maybe I maybe I just want to burn it all down. <laughs> maybe you decided you love the insider and that's going to win the whole bracket. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've just I've become very stubborn and. Uh, I'm the one who edits this, so I get to decide what wins. Yes, I believe that the versions that you put into the world are drastically different than what we decide. <laughs> I have an incredible AI that mimics your voice, so I can just <laughs> type and get it what's to, what to say. But... Yeah, it's like, I would like to pick the insider. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it cuts back to you, you normally speaking. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will know the difference. So do you have the synopsis or either, or do you just not want to do the synopsis? I do. I have them both. Read them for me, please. All right. So, Boys Don't Cry. A young man, a young known man, a young man (laughs) (laughs) named Brandon Tina navigates love, life, and being transgender in rural Nebraska. That makes it sound like the plot to, like, a rom-com movie. It is a rom-com. What are you talking about? This isn't isn't 10 Things I Hate About You? So, then the insider is a research chemist comes under personal and professional attack when he decides to appear in a 60 Minutes expose on Big Tobacco. Okay. Um, these are both based on true stories too, so that's it's a better comparison than I think the last round. Yes. Now, yeah, because I I've rewatched both of these films, and I will I will say that I did not take notes through either of them. There were it was way more of like a passive viewing experience. It was mm-hmm. less I was less worried about being interrupted and stuff. Like for example, with the insider. I had it on, and if I needed to go do something, I just left it running and came back. Because, like, I've seen this before. I don't need to, like... Also, it's, like, four hours long, so... Yeah, and I will say, doing that made it me greatly enjoy the film more. I was like, wow, I, like, zo- like left, it came back, and I was like, cool, I still know what's going on, but, like, five minutes have passed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't care, and I was able to do, like, most of my personal movie watching, as I generally have uh, it up on one screen. I have something else going on the other screen at the same time. But if when I was watching these movies for this podcast, I would totally focus the whole time because I needed to take notes and I wanted to do a good job. But now, since that's the way, I was able to do what I normally do for my watching of most other things. Yes, we're doing a good job, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, Also, I was like, the insider's two and a half hours. Man, I was already kind of was feeling, and I'm sure you were feeling the same way. That mm-hmm. I boys don't cry was going to go through regardless. Yes. So I was like, well, I'll watch the insider again because you know maybe my mind will change or I find something more or something. It had been enough time that I didn't really remember the movie that well, mm-hmm. and I watched it and I was like, no, it's like the same film, but I don't need to entirely like I it is it is a perfect like TNT movie on mm-hmm. TV where like you come through it apart and you're like, cool, I'll watch this part and then you can leave and you don't really lose anything. Well, and genuinely, this would take four hours on TV with ads in the middle. Yeah, it it would, and like that's good performances. It's that's the thing. It got bad box office scores, but it got good reviews when it first came out, and like that's true. I I enjoyed the movie. It's way too long. 
it is so long. It's also like three movies in one movie. Yes. Um, which I also think is why like it, you can come out of in and out of it so easily. It's because it's like, oh, this is the part when it's like mostly about the guy and his family. And now it's about Al Pacino's uh, journalist character and ethics and stuff. And it's like mm-hmm. just jumping back and like it switches like because it's so long. It has so much to do. And like ultimately, I think it's a good and it's a fine film. Mm-hmm. But as I was put Boys Don't Cry up and was watching it and I was I had I was doing the same thing where like I had something else like a sports or something else on the other screen muted and listen to Boys Don't Cry I was like ended up becoming sucked in and solely focused on Boys Don't Cry. That's the thing. I think Boys Don't Cry clips along at a at a good pace and it's such like ugh, it's such a heavy story and everything like that. But there are really nice moments. And honestly I think um Hilary Swank is incredible and Chloe Savini is I like her a lot in anything that she's in. Um yes. So, and yeah. I was obviously since um, I will say about both films, there's stuff in both films that have become more in the public consciousness in the past year. What since, transgender rights and whistleblowing? Yeah, like the insider opens up with talking about Zionists, and I was like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was like, Wow, okay. Immediately off the bat, I was like, I did not remember that in this movie at all. Uh, and then with trans rights for boys don't cry and has i this boys don't cry isn't perfect on that but it's and obviously hillary swank would not be the lead if this movie was right now and she shouldn't be yes correct but i think at the time it was the best representation uh, in like a movie that got a wide release ever yes and i was also i was what kind of on a, a, a deep dive? Because I was like, I know Hilary Swank has been in lots of like religious films, and I wanted to know only what, like... recently she was like Oscar winner like nominee earlier, and I think she's been chasing that dream ever since, and is now just in Christian films because that's where you get the money, man. I mean, good for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like, I want to know what her thoughts on this movie are now, because if it's problematic, that changes how I view the movie. What Hillary Swank's thoughts are on the movie? Yes. So um, I saw a talk with her. Um, I actually know her thoughts on the movie, but I saw a talk with her um, a couple of years ago, maybe twenty seventeen, maybe. And yeah, she was saying that at the time, like she was also saying that now it shouldn't be her in the role, but at the time it was kind of her or nobody, basically, like because the trans actors weren't a thing that people paid attention to and it was like if this story needs to be told or sorry if, if people want to tell the story then it it will only get greenlit with a straight cis female tied to it you know yeah and i i also read her opinions on the movie as well um and she basically said that and she was like i understand the backlash but i think it's a little i don't i don't remember her exact words but it was like to, to paraphrase it was like she was like i understand i get it it would be wrong if we did it now but at the time, it's like we all were just unaware of that as well. Like it wasn't yeah. a thing that it was, there was not. I mean, it was, I'm sure, to the community that she was playing that role, but not to the greater conscious of the world. And- but also I've um, there. I think there's a film that's about trans folks and how they're represented on screen where they interview a lot of trans folks. And um, it's one of those things where it's like there was no representation of that community mm-hmm. at the time at all. So even seeing your face on screen... I think for some people that was enough and more than they had hoped for. And then for other people, they're like, no, but do it right if you're going to do it at all. Yeah. Well, I, I, both of those are valid. Uh, yeah. 
and I I read those and I was like, oh okay, she she gets it, right? She's like, also like she only got paid three thousand dollars to do the movie because yeah. they had like no money, and she was like, indies back then were like where young actors could go to get famous because they didn't have the money to spend on real like established actors, so it was like very available for lots of people. Mm-hmm. I have um, been informed that Disclosure is the title of the film that I was just talking about. And it's oh. got like Laverne Cox in it um, and a few other well-known faces. And then it, it kind of unpacks movies like, um, well, like this one. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it's important. And obviously like it's Boys Don't Cry is still the movie with like the, like the one, that, the most no famous one, I guess that I know for representation, I can't really think of another one since then. That has good uh, representation? That, or has good representation or representation in general, where it's um, the main character. What's that Eddie Redmayne movie? Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay, but that movie's bad. Um, <laughs> and problematic. Uh, There's a, a foreign film. I can see the person's face oh, on the um, cover. It's the one that got nominated for an Oscar, right? Yeah, and I never saw it, but it actually looked really good. It's some My Something Woman? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but like, it's still not very many films. No, no, not at all. 99. So it's very much like these people should be getting these roles. These stories should be getting told. I'm sure everybody remembers the ScarJo controversy like five or six years ago at this point. Oh, and she made some stupid comments. Also, it's a fantastic woman. A fantastic woman. Right. Um, so obviously like Boys Don't Cry is going to go through over The Insider because... Mm -hmm. It's a better film. I will say I did not watch the assault scene. I like purposely It's horrible. Left. I was like, I don't need to see this again. I've seen it once. Um, and it's very bad. Yeah. It's like very traumatic. And I was like, Jesus. That's like, I mean, I don't know. I have complicated feelings about that. But we could save that for when we talk about it with another movie. Um, because I don't really have anything else to say about I don't want to. There's a lot of stuff I feel like I still want to say about Boys Don't Cry, but I don't want to do it now. Yeah, not compared to The Insider. <laughs> yeah, it's like we don't need to unpack that stuff when a movie would be like, yeah, uh, smoking's smoking's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can chat about those things when uh, when it's actually more of a debate, which will win. <laughs> yes. Um, so Fight Club. Everyone's seen that movie. I don't feel like we need to read the synopsis on that one. Uh, there's a man with Tyler Durden in his head, and he does real dumb stuff. Uh, Spoilies. Spo- sorry, spoil- spoilers. Uh, and then, what is the plot synopsis for The Virgin's Suicides? <laughs> a group of male friends become obsessed with five mysterious sisters who are sheltered by their strict religious parents in suburban Detroit in the mid-1970s. And this okay. is um, Sofia Coppola's directorial debut. And also, also a good comparison between these two, because they're both adapted from books. And they're both, um, they were both controversial when they came out and then became cult classics. And they're both very much about uh, mental health. Yes. And they're both extremely critical mm-hmm. of a the society certain... that people live in. <laughs> yeah. And a certain subs, like a certain group of that society mm-hmm. that, and like they're not subtle about it either film. Obviously, no. Fight Club is way more stylized. And... Yes. Well, stylized in a different way because Virgin Suicides has that like dreamlike melancholy. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the whole thing, and it's the thing that's weird about this movie is like it's it's about suicide. Um, it's very haunting as a story, 
but also it is a little bit convoluted in its message like are we celebrating their suicide because like almost their parents really sucked parents really sucked and it's like but the thing is i think if this movie were made now a lot of people would love it and a lot of people would be really angry about it whereas back then it kind of came out and people either loved it or it just kind of disappeared yes i i agree i must maybe I just forgot what it was like the first time I watched it because I like legitimately did not remember some of the stuff in there, or it's just me realizing my memory is like failing me in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably that. But, yeah, it's definitely that. Um, but I was watching it. I was the same thing. I was like, like their only option, really, for for them to like get away from the horrific abuse they're suffering is suicide but i was uncomfortable without if like the movie's message on that decision yeah it's like i didn't really know what the movie was saying and i don't know yeah that's the what the movie was trying to say is that you don't know is that they chose this because there was no escape which is true but i was like but there was like they could just they decided to do that more other than like run away like i feel like that wasn't addressed the boys boys. yeah the boys genuinely think they're going to try to help them run away yeah, that's what the boy. Yeah, the boys think that, but like we have mm-hmm. no, we don't know from the girls at all. I think what's um, interesting. I was reading what the author thought about it, and he liked it overall, but he thought it would have been better in his brain. All of the sisters are like, or maybe the four sisters that are still alive, because I think it starts with Cecilia yeah, one dies, dies quickly at the beginning of the film. Yeah, so I think he sees all the other sisters as like different versions of the same person. Um, so he thought it should have been the same actor, but like done differently or like made up to look different ages or something like that. So in his brain, it is a a lot more fantastical in that sense and a lot more, um, dreamlike. Whereas like this one, yeah, when it's, when it's actually five different sisters that all kill themselves, you're like, oh God, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Also like three, the three older ones other than. Kirsten Dunst like do look the same yeah and they're really no development with those characters mm-hmm. it's mostly about uh Lux but we do get that we do get some internal with Cecilia mm-hmm. before she kills herself um mm-hmm. like we do see why and there is like a little I mean there's that doctor scene with Danny DeVito explaining like why she's acting out like this it's like you need to give them like she needs to interact with other people like she yeah. feels trapped and suffocated and obviously severely depressed and it's partly because of what you're doing is what he's telling the parents and they tr- they do try to be better about that but with the other girls i mean we see it with cecilia but cecilia had made up her mind at that moment already mm-hmm. which is which is sad and they do do a good job like unpacking the trauma of that for the family yeah but with the other it also felt like after i don't know there was like such a I like her parents the parents suck but there was such like a sudden turn for me on them being like but you also feel so bad for them like you get where they're coming from in that they just want to protect their kids and in protecting their kids it's actually doing the one thing that they didn't want to do but like they care about their family you know yeah and it's obviously critical of like the parental class and the religious as well Mm -hmm. because it's like the whole whole thing but yeah, I don't know. I was more conflicted on this movie than I remembered. Um, I think I think there's a lot of unanswered questions in this movie and a lot of, like, unsettled feelings. Um, like, in terms of, like, the one thing I never got is why the boys, who were kind of their only friends, 
and their only like comforts, they set up the boys to be the ones to find them, you know? And like things like that. I think a lot of stuff just sits like there's a lot of unanswered questions. Whereas Fight Club, I think overall it has a lot of crazy twists and turns, um, but it's overall more polished and it like ties it up in a bow by the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. uh, Well, yeah. And I, yes, I agree with that. I think Fight Club is a, even though it's a significantly longer film, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel its length. No. And it is like every, when Fight Club brings, raises a question, you get an answer in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that same way with the Virgin Suicides. And I do feel, I don't know. I felt the second time I watched this movie, I felt that it was a little more, it was a little more messy. Maybe it was more obvious that it was a first time filmmaker. Yes, because it's, um, yeah, I remember the first time I was very unsettled by like this, yeah, the dreamlike state. But then the second uh, half watch that I did, it did feel like slow in parts, you know? Yeah, and multiple movies in the same movie. It's like yeah. Trip isn't really a thing until over 30 minutes in the film. And then it's kind of his movie mm-hmm. for the next 30 minutes, but then he leaves. The yeah. Film. And I wish there was more with his hair, the, though. His hair is great. It's true. He's a, he's a, he's a, He's a dreamboat, I guess, in a teenage. <laughs> if you were a teenage teenager, trips in the seventies, he does have he does have fabulous hair. I did love how he refused to put the crown on his head. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, he knows. Um, but I do wish there was more with the girls. Yeah, I was like, why? I would want more. It's like these boys that are kind of in the movie, but I don't really know who they are either. Yeah, it's like I don't even know their character names. Are the ones that become like the center they're they're like the through line and i was like well that's also frustrating too is it's like these girls who are clearly the most interesting part of the story we are held at arm's length and we never really know what their deal is because it is told from the perspective of the boys so we can only just guess yeah the only one who we do get is lux which is kirsten dunce but that's because i think of her acting yeah i do think all the acting and the directing is great in this movie. I just think the other characters weren't given as much to do. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I still it's still good. I still yeah. like the film. Yeah. It's um, but I really saw the, and I watched Fight Club and The Virgin Suicides back to back, and I could really feel the difference there. Mm-hmm. Is that oh, Fight Club is a better made film, and kind of the same. I'm kind of in the same place I was with Boys Don't Cry. Like I have stuff I want to talk about Fight Club that is. Not really the movie, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, we're on the same page then. I feel like Fight Club's going to go through. Yep. Okay. So now, I guess we'll uh, we'll just talk jump into Fight Club. Um, so this is a, a big topic that's probably unanswerable. But how do we compartmentalize, rationalize the fact that this movie has been co-opted by the people who who it's criticizing? I don't know. We take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, is it the movie's fault that it's not explicit enough? But Fight Club is like very unsubtle. It is like beating you over the head with it. Those people always half listen. They go, ooh, a movie that's somehow vaguely related to us. Or honestly, in this movie, they go, ooh, cool, badass men. And that's where they (laughs) stop paying attention. You know what I mean? You're right. You're right. They'll take anything and twist it to be theirs. Um, especially if it's a critique because yeah, they stop listening, you know? No, I agree with all of that, but should the movie have been, this is a weird thing to say about fight club of all movies. Should the movie have been more homoerotic? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a because... great question. <laughs> 
because then they wouldn't like it, right? That would push them away, that group of people. That is true. But I think then it would then it would bring up a lot of other questions. Like you can't have homoeroticism for the sake of it. Like it would bring up a lot of other questions because it's like, this is this dude. And you know what? Let's be real. He definitely has a crush on Tyler. Tyler has a crush oh, on okay. Tyler. I mean, who wouldn't have a crush on Brad Pitt? Especially young movie? Brad Pitt. <laughs> Woo! With those abs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know if they could have added a whole lot of that without making it into a different movie. You know? I mean, you're right. It's it's also already it's in the film. It's just not blatant. Yeah, it's more of a subtext. Like you, it's his interactions with Jared Leto's character. Well, and the thing he is, destroys him. This film is already so twisty, ter- curvy, like with all sorts of um, yeah twists and un, un like rediscovering things and stuff like that. I don't I don't know if there could be any extra elements to try to make sense of in in your head. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's just that that's the issue with this film for me is that it's it's become something that fucking the Proud Boys like idolize is they want to be like Tyler Durden when yeah the movie is explicitly stating that the toxic masculinity this is what it does and how bad it is and Tyler Durden is not somebody you should strive to be mm-hmm. uh, and. Like, I know what the movie's actually saying. And then, like, obviously what... It's like David Fincher's comments on the movie since then. He's like, if somebody says Fight Club's their favorite movie, run. Like, yeah. You don't want to be friends with that person. Yeah. And he's he he was saying this, like, three years after the movie came out. So it's been like this for a while. It's just... It does make the movie feel weird. hmm And at points uncomfortable because it's... It's, it's kind of the same thing with The Matrix, right? Like, that's been co-opted as well. And it's like, but you got... Like, you... Do they not know? Like, or do they just not care? I read this um, brutal article <laughs> entitled Movie Review. Did the Proud Boys slash Boogaloo Boys ruin Fight Club? The first line of this review is, the answer to that rhetorical question headline is, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then the, it ends with, um, they trash it the whole way through. Um, and then they say, Cult films are seldom great films. They just connect with the corner of the audience more intensely than was intended, elevating their status. That's Fight Club, and appealing to the wrong sort of cult just makes that clearer. So, they loved mm. it. I mean, I, ultimately where I'm at this point is that I don't think Fight Club can win this whole bracket mm-hmm. because of this thing. And that's the thing. We're not watching these in 1999. We're watching them, well, this one we watched in 2019, but... We're watching it in 2021. Like we do need to see it with the current day eyes. Um, and a big thing that we are evaluating is: does it hold up? Right. Yes. Whereas, like, if I was doing this on just like removing that all from the thing, though, of course the movie holds up. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it is still the acting is great. The um, twists are interesting. Read the book. That's what we're coming out of this saying. <laughs> no, the, the movie's way better than the book. I've read the book. I've read the and, book too. Uh, the the book is worse. Um, David Fincher, I think, nails... He kind of also skewers the author in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just that I... When I watch this compared to Boys Don't Cry, like I obviously enjoy watching Fight Club more because A, it's not... Horrifying? Uh, yeah there's it's an easier watch let's say but this like this is something that has been a thing the whole time it's like yes i like fight club but 
I can't say I like Fight Club because if I say I like Fight Club, they're like, everyone's like, oh, you're one of like, yeah, you're one of them. You're one of those guys. You're one of those guys where it's like, no, I I know what it's say. I know what it's saying. Like, it's just it feels like the movie's been ruined in a way, even though it's not the movie's fault. And it's like this. There's so many memorable moments and scenes in Fight Club, like everything. I, I, I do still have issues with like the Marla Singer character. Like that's yeah. always bothered me. Well, she's like, the only woman in the story and she's not exactly given a whole lot of nice things to do. No. And she is like, I do think it's a, they're co- obviously he's commenting on it about how like she's fetishized essentially. And only the way she speaks to the narrator is yeah. very much like what the, what he, the, what the man wants a woman to say to him. Of course. Um, so I, I mean, I, I know what he's saying. I know what the commentary is on that. Like I'm not ignoring that but i still think it doesn't that part doesn't really work for me yeah because it is weird i mostly everyone whenever she's up i just kind of just be like i feel bad for her and the actress yeah yeah helena bonham carter yeah i mean she's great in the movie she, she does, does exactly she's, what she's asked to do yes yes but i i do yeah i mean i yeah it's it's complicated i, I also have to get onto the boys don't cry stuff but i do like the assault scene is incredibly dramatic and in boys don't cry yeah and it's not something that needed to be in the film frankly no that is a bit of trauma form and that it is so common for in stories still now that for lgbtq um characters is that they have to suffer some incredible trauma to empathize with them well and the guy already died like he dies at the end of the movie let that be that you know (laughs) Yeah, it's like it kind of piles it on at the end. It's like he's already been in jail. He's already like I do like how Brandon is a shithead. Yeah. And is not like perfect. I I think that is great. Well, yeah, cuz Brandon is a ladies man. And you're like, "Bro, simmer down." <laughs> like Brandon Brandon gets around. Yes. Brandon is Brandon is he and falls I- in love very quickly and then feels like he moves on very quickly. I think it is quite interesting too because yeah, at the Brandon feels like a very real person because at the beginning of the movie, he's skipping town because someone found found out that like someone, the brother of someone that he was sleeping with, found out that he was trans. And he kind of thinks it's cute that he has to leave town because of this, you know, like and his cousin, brother, uncle, whoever is talking to him at the beginning is like, stay out of trouble, keep your pants on, basically. You know what yeah, I mean? Stop, stop, stop trying to sleep with everybody. Yeah. So so I like that. And I do think that that's an interesting parallel that they go from there to, um, you know, the reactions of the new guys. You're right. I don't think they needed to show it. I mean, it happened. So you can tell us that it happened, especially since the the scene with the cops is really interesting, horrifying and really, really frustrating. Um, yes. But I mean, obviously, that has to, you know, come after the assault. Yeah, but they could just... Have they shown the cop us. scene, right? Yeah. Like it could just be the after effects. We, I don't like there is, and I, I know this is a, it's a, it's a different time, but like there is no real reason to ever put a sexual assault on screen anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to see it. There's other ways you can convey it mm-hmm. um, without actually the act because it's traumatic for the audience. Like you don't know who's going to watch your film, but odds are somebody who's probably been sexual assaulted will see the film, and yeah. that is. Not like post-traumatic stress. And also it's traumatic for the actors. Yeah. Like you're asking them to do this 
act out this vile thing like it's bad for all parties involved well especially since this is a film that you can watch it and not know that that's coming mm-hmm. whereas like if it's what was that movie we hated promising young woman <laughs> you you almost Sorry, ex- just spit water out <laughs> you, you almost expect something like that like you know what you're coming in for when it's um like a revenge film yeah and so i mean there wasn't actually any of that just discussions of it but they didn't show anything but if there was i would have been more okay with it knowing okay i kind of expected that coming in for this movie but this movie you don't know that you know no, and, like the, and that's horrifying yeah the first time i watched this which was for this i had no idea that was in the movie all i knew about it was that it was um about a, a trans man yeah um but i did not know about the resolution of the film also it's like yeah like we said earlier it's like they pile it on at the end it's like this happens and then uh brandon is murdered yeah and i mean even before and after the assault like the two men who did it are also still like traumatizing brandon Mm -hmm. and the other women in the film as well and i just feel like it didn't like that's kind of the whole thing of this movie for me is like that is it's rough um and i do think the movie isn't as well made as fight club because it obviously was made for so so much less money like they, they... yeah and it's also it's obviously a less stylized project because it's like it's a true story it's a it's a not a biopic but kind of it's a narrative that happened so they have to tell it linearly they can't they, yes as yeah, a script like, it's much more straightforward because it has to be yeah like you're paying your actors three thousand dollars you probably are only shooting some of these scenes one time and then moving on yeah you know what's interesting what you said, I know that with a lot of the um, Black Lives Matter uh, movements and stuff that have been coming up as of late, um, a lot of people are saying like, okay, like, let's watch films that showcase, this is related, I promise, um, that showcase no, I... like black excellence and that sort of thing. Um, and so all of the various movie theaters and like Cineplex and stuff are posting like their collections um, of films made by black folks or with them like telling their stories, that sort of thing. But then I hit a point where a lot of people were like, okay, we're tired of seeing stories of black suffering though. Can't you show us a damn rom-com? Mm-hmm. Like there are other stories about black people that aren't related to suffering. And obviously this is a story about a very specific person. So you're just telling that person's story. But a part of me is like, okay, we get it. This is a story about trans suffering. You don't need to show us all so many different sufferings. Like that's damaging. It's damaging to the people that are watching it, especially the people that are in the community that will be watching it because it's about their community. They want to watch it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's extremely traumatic that the audience that, well, this was made in 99, so this was not the audience that it was geared for, I guess. But now that is the audience that is watching that. Um, and it's extremely damaging to that community. Yeah. It's like if the only representation that minority groups are getting is some form of suffering. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, those stories should be told, mm-hmm. but also they should be able to have their movies where they just existing and get to just have a normal movie arc. Right. Where like, it yeah. doesn't, re- it's like, they're just, a, they're just like a rom-com is a good example. Like you said, or it's just like, they could be in an action movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they don't have to be, it doesn't have to be like they've survived this horrific, these horrific things against them. It's almost like uh, they're people. 
Wait, okay, what? <laughs> but yeah, I guess that is the difference. Is this is made in 99, so it, it was not geared towards a queer audience. No. Um, and obviously, like, they, it, like, this story should be told. Like, they, they should... Art is a good way to tell stories that are, are important for history and mm-hmm. the fact that lots of communities, not just the trans community or the black community, have suffered a lot of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that should be told in movies it's just that's like you said it's like really the only representation even now for both really like there's i know of a couple movies um that aren't about suffering but Mm -hmm. they're there's not very many and there's even less i don't even know i'm trying to think of a one about uh, trans rights and i can't think of one no i can think of characters but they're not the lead of the care they're not the lead of the movie a fantastic woman a fantastic woman. Well, I mean, uh, that have you seen that film? No, I've heard it's really it's, good though. It is good, but it's also about suffering. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can think of characters who are like side characters in other movies that are just there, and there's no suffering attached to them. But they're generally like comedic relief and yeah. rom coms. It's I know. Okay, I know it. I know this isn't there. This isn't the movie for it. But for example, in like Happiest Season, mm-hmm. like. I, it would be like they would be like Dan Levy's character, where they're just kind of like comedic relief the whole time and mm-hmm, steal the mm-hmm. movie, but like they're not really a character almost. Yeah. So I don't know which one we want to put through here. Um, I have reservations about both of them. I yeah. do think Fight Club is a better made film, but doesn't mean it's better. Yeah. And I don't know where you fall on it. Um, I don't know. I feel like mean? I thought I knew before this conversation, and now I'm more conflicted than ever. Yeah. Um, like it's not even like they both have incredible performances. Yeah, they are both well directed. They are both well written. Um, Fight Club is more stylish, but doesn't. Yep. They both have lots of substance. They both, yeah, they both have big issues like outside of the movie <laughs> that are kind of <laughs> yeah. popping me here. Um, yes. in reality, I do think this is what. Which either of these films goes through, I don't think they're getting through the next one. Uh, you think All About My Mother is going to take it home. I can see it now. I'm looking at the bracket. Yes. Um, now, uh, I mean, not to spoil anything, but I mean, we could also just do those bottom four right now. And I am pretty confident in which one of those four will get to the eight, the final <laughs> one against this. Like, I I, I don't, I'm n- not rewatching Man on the Moon. No. Um, I will rewatch All About My Mother because it's been a while. And it's a great movie. And it's a great film. Now that, I mean, it does make, I don't know if that makes it easier, is that this is probably as far as Fight Club or Boys Don't Cry go. But we got to do it for the sake of the sake of the show. We do. We I do. will say one thing that I was thinking. Obviously, we've determined that you don't need to so- show sexual assault and that these stories are damaging, especially when you're showing them to the audiences that they relate to. But... This film was made in 99, presumably aimed at an audience of... So the Brandon Tina story itself happened in 1993. So this movie was very quickly after this happening mm-hmm. um, in the grand scheme of things. It's not like it was happening in the 70s and this is super far removed. So I feel like this movie was made and it was made as brutal as it was. Because there's not a single person that would watch this and come out of it saying that Brandon deserved that. You know what I mean? Like, Fight Club people can twist and everything like that. But you watch Boys Don't Cry. 
And at least at some point during this movie, you're like, okay, this dude does not deserve this. If you have any heart in you at all. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's maybe why they put the assault in there. Because even if for whatever reason you're sitting there being okay with the whole rest of the story, you wouldn't be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, will, I, uh, I will say I'm a little conflicted about the representation of mental illness in that movie as well. With who? Uh, what's the guy's name? John? Oh, yeah. Is that they kind of make, like, they do mention he has, like, issues, I should say, is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And he's an asshole. Yeah. Um, but they do mention that the doctors say he has, like, no impulse control. Yeah. Or whatever. So he is obviously has something there. He definitely needs therapy at the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, I'm a little, I don't know, I'm conflicted with that is that they kind of, it's a rastishism decision, his decisions about that, but he's also drinking and doing drugs at the same time. Yeah, he's a very troubled guy. He's a troubled individual, and it does not excuse what he did. No. Obviously, it's just there. I am, I don't know, I, I'm i leaning towards Fight Club, but I feel like Boys Don't Cry is the right choice. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at, is that I, it's like, if for me personally, if you told me, you have to watch one of these movies again. I'm picking Fight Club. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want to deal with, I don't, I could watch the first hour of Boys Don't Cry and then I could be like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I can stop here. That's why uh, I didn't rewatch it this time because I've already seen it a couple times um, for this podcast and also just in my normal life. And I, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. It's not like I don't, I, you don't feel good after it. No. Um, whereas if I watch Fight Club, I'm like, yeah, that movie's, movie's good and it's fun. And mm-hmm. it's kind of more popcorn-y, but it's also like... But also, it's a quality film. It's a quality film. But I do think Boys Don't Cry is a little better, but I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't it's... have to watch it again. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, whereas you're I compare that to... which is uh, the most rewatchable of these films. No, you're right. You're right. So I don't, I, I don't know what you're leaning to, but that's what I'm leaning. I'm fine with this leaning. Okay. I mean, you picked Fight Club as your number one, so I'm a little surprised you're so willing to... Did I? Was I trying to be cool? I don't know why I did that. I don't know. Maybe you've grown a lot in the past two years. Probably. I think that's the case. Or it's like, you know, we were both around for 2020 and saw the people who love Fight Club, what they've done to countries. And it's yeah. like, you know... <laughs> I hate those guys. <laughs> Fuck them. It, it, it honestly does make it a lot harder to like this film because I'm sitting there being like, well, do I like it? Like... What, what is in me that likes this for the same reason, you know? Yeah, it, it it annoys me. It's because it's they've like actively succeeded in ruining something. Mm-hmm. And we'll have this same conversation again about The Matrix. Yeah. Um, less so, I think, with The Matrix. But it's still there. And mm-hmm. it's like... So, yeah, we'll put Boys Don't Cry through. Yeah, that's kind of... I don't know. Well, and obviously we'll come back and talk about it when it, I mean, we can just move all about my mother through there if you want to. (laughs) We could do a quick, (laughs) or do you want to spend time talking about Run Lola Run and Blair Witch in its own podcast? No, no, we can, we can, we can just do it. Yeah. So all about my mother, man on the moon. Uh, We did not. All about my mother. Perfect. Done. Yeah. All about my mother. Man on the moon was a a bad movie that went against a worst movie. That Uh, was the problem. And I remember when we were um, looking at this, Initially, we hated them both and didn't want to rewatch either of them. <laughs> yeah, we had the, I don't like either of these uh, issue. No. Uh, now, yeah. 
I will like I've seen Run Lola Run and the Blair Witch Blair Witch Project a lot. I don't know if you have. I've seen them each once. Okay, so I've seen them each like five times. So like I have a pretty good memory of those films. I honestly really like them both, um, way more than I I liked Run Lola Run way more than I expected to. Um, it was a lot of fun. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. Um, video gamey, very of the times. And then Blair Witch, I love because well I like horror. Um, and it was the first of like the found footage type horror movies and kind of in terms of lasting impact, it changed the horror genre. Um, it's hugely influential. Yeah. Um, maybe the most influential movie we have on here. Yeah. Like I would say it's interesting because Run Lola Run was clearly influenced by something and Blair Witch influenced something, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with that. I I personally like Run Lola Run more because it's more of my like I prefer a fast like Run Lola Run isn't really an action film but it's more of like a fast paced pseudo action film. Mm -hmm. I just prefer that genre more than horror films. Oh, get out. I know. I you can hang up on kick me off this podcast now. <laughs> you can replace me with This is where one, we one have the Anastasia and the <laughs> Yeah, and the bracket uh, breaks into your half and my half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is where who picked which movie? I wonder. Um, and I, the acting is significantly better in Run the Run than the Blair Witch Project. But that's kind of the point of the Blair Witch Project is that they're supposed to just feel like normal people who are in a well, crazy they are. situation. They, they picked acting students, and they honestly didn't really give them a lot of information. But they didn't um, have a script. No, they didn't have a script. And they basically just had to run around for the day and they were told the like three plot points that needed to happen that day and what site they had to end up at the end of the night. But they really were just running around the forest. And these were, yeah, acting students. And I think the whole release around it where they acted like it was found footage and that these people were actually dead and stuff like that, it's crazy. I think it changed the game in terms of how the internet and I mean, social media wasn't a thing at the time, but how internet and the subsequent word of mouth um, can have such an interesting marketing effect. Like, I think that was the first time there was like more interactive marketing and like immersive things. Like I think, yeah, I think it was really just interesting in terms of that. Yeah. Um, it, 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 yeah. But the Burwich project is, I mean, if it was made a year later, it'd be one of the most influential movies of the century. And it's like just happened to come out in 99 and it took a while for it to be influential. Yeah. Is that I remember it came out. It was this huge thing. Even when I was like nine, mm -hmm. uh, didn't see the movie when it came out, but it was everywhere and everyone was talking about it. And then there wasn't really found footage horror movies for like a decade. Yeah. And then they blew up again, but they're all so obviously influenced by this one film mm -hmm. and like the Blair Witch Project didn't invent handheld filmmaking no um because we've watched other movies in here that had a bunch of handheld but it was really like the handheld horror movie and like yeah. kind of pretending it's real like selling it that it's a true story when it isn't and then like yeah actively... the found footage kind of aspect because that's not something that we really see in movies that are not horror like there's handheld filmmaking but it's never found footagey type you know yeah and it was like the one of the first movies that nailed internet marketing yes like it created a website that people would go to and think it's like it's a real thing and they're airing this movie it's a true story and they had a whole website that played into that yeah like it was a conspiracy 
Yes. And I mean, that's also maybe not aged well. <laughs> uh, but it played it. They were they were smart enough to realize that and like kind of started this whole thing. And it was in it's like when I think about, back on that about the Blair Watch Project doing that, it, it isn't like being like, oh, no, they played into like conspiracy things. It was like if I was, I don't know, my age now or if I was younger than my age now when this movie in 1999 mm-hmm. and this was happening, I'd be way into that. Right. I would have been like if I was a teen, like teenager, like even in early 20s, I would have been like, whoa, this is so cool. Yeah. And I do think that's important, even though it is, at least in my opinion, objectively not as well as good as a film as Run, Lola, Run. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I, I also really enjoyed Run, Lola, Run, and I love that as a film, and I wouldn't be mad if it went through. Um, but I think, yeah, from a purely influential standpoint, it makes me yeah. think Blair Witch, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, to talk about Run, Lola, Run, Run, Lola, Run um, the first time I ever saw it was freshman year of university. In it was the first movie I watched in my film class, mm-hmm. and I had no idea what it was. And I heard it was like a German film, and like very just a German, a stylized German film directed by Tom Twiker. Mm-hmm. And I loved it when I watched it the first time. Uh, and I think it's a great film. I do ultimately think it is a little shallow, mm-hmm. um, because it's only like eighty some minutes, and it's a little there. But I do. Th- it is very effective in what it is going for. It is one of the few. I mean, is this an action film? Would you call it an action film? Run, Lola, Run. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. K- kind of. I would say so. In the in the way that heist movies are action films. Yeah, it was one of she. Run, Lola, Run is like one of the few female-led action films. Then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think the lead actress is great in it. She, my opinion is best role uh and they do spend time touching on side characters even though it is like a loop story essentially yeah and it is lola's story but they do give depth on even like strangers which is like good storytelling without having to like stop the movie like they do the thing with like the the people she keeps running into that aren't named characters they're just in the same people all the time you get flashes of their story and mm-hmm. it's very quick in there, and then it doesn't drive from the movie, and you move on. But it's still a good B plot without ever actually addressing it with dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you obviously have the stuff with like her, her father, and you get more on Lola and Manny as they go through the movie. But I do think it has to be Blair Witch because, as much as I love Run Lola Run, it is not something that is like mentioned as an influence. Like yeah. you said, it's been influenced by. It didn't influence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it has to be Blair Witch. And this is where it gets down to the hard decisions and stuff, right? Because it's like, yeah, I love Ron Lola Rana as a movie. I yeah, I love it. I just if it if this was my personal thing, mm-hmm. it would be Ron Lola Run, but it isn't. And the Blair Witch Project, even though it lost its first round matchup, is going through to the third round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Shut laughs> <up. laughs> It lost to Boys Don't Cry, which is, I again, I think that's the right decision there, is that influence can only take you so far. Yeah. Uh, and it's why I don't, if All About My Mother or The Blair Witch, this isn't a hard thing for me, personally. Yeah. Is that it has to be All About My Mother. Yeah, of course. Uh, so we did more than we were expecting to. But I do think that those other four, that was a pretty simple four for us. Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, whereas if I jump over to the other 
eight will be doing. I don't think we can do eight and one personally. No, probably not. Because so, the main. So go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say. So which side are we popping to next? So the next bracket, like sixteen, like quarter of the bracket, is the the Matrix and Ten Things I Hate About You, which will be a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peppermint Candy and SLC Punk. I know which one's going to go through there, but then that, like those, there's three of those movies there. I legitimately don't know which one of those three I'm going to pick. Yeah. Um, and then two Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, American Movie, Three Kings, and The Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. Which again, I think it is that's difficult because, I mean, there's yeah, I'll save it for that. But there's a lot of stuff we need to talk about about David O. Russell. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, the next four would be The Matrix, Ten Things I Hate About You, Peppermint Candy, and SLC Punk. Mm-hmm. I think. I know, but I legitimately don't. I'm very conflicted about that one. That's a tough. It'll be lots of rewatches. Yeah, I will have to rewatch at least three of those films. I'm not. I mean, I think everybody knows which one's not going to get rewatched. Ten things I hate about you. <laughs> no, I I like ten things I hate about you. Which one? SLC Punk. SLC Punk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, SLC Punk has no chance to be peppermint candy. No, that's but, true. Peppermint Candy against either of the other two, that's way harder. Yes. Uh, that's I think a it'll tough... be an interesting, uh, an interesting chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, it will be. Uh, so do you have anything else you want to wanna say? Or yeah. do you want to just tell people where they can find your fan fiction? My, <laughs> what, my Blair your... Witch fan fiction? No, your Kristen Stewart fan fiction about how your best friends. Um, there is a fan fiction about Kristen Stewart, uh, that I made called the happiest season. Um, <laughs> you can find, wait, wait, but you're both short. Uh, I am Kristen Stewart in this, uh, and Kristen scenario. Stewart's Mackenzie Davis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you can find more details about that and other upcoming projects at, um, <laughs> Carolyn Dunk 93 on Instagram and Twitter. And where can they find you, James? I have changed my handle. Um, no. It is, you can find me everywhere now at James Willix, but the O is a zero. Mm-hmm. Because I hated that every fucking thing I had was a slight variation of either my name without underscore, with an underscore or a dash. So I just changed it to something that it, it was all there. Mm-hmm. So it's James Willix with the O as a zero. And you can find this podcast on all places. Um, and I will just tweet at cheese fan number three. Um No. <laughs> no and then uh yeah the next podcast we'll do is the next 99 which will probably end up just being those four because mm-hmm. i think there's a we'll lot slow our roll for a sec yeah this one was more easy like i mean this the top four on this one was difficult but the bottom four on this side were not difficult mm-hmm. but the next ones will be harder uh but yeah we're kind of closing our, out on this and then we'll just watch horror movies because that's what carolyn wants to do i guess that is, that's exactly what I want to do, yeah. I mean, that's what you do in your spare time. Obviously. <laughs>